Okay, let's start our discussion of Parshas Miketz and Hanukkah, Tavshin Ayin Zayin, as we <coughs> try to squeeze in uh, what we can into this jam-packed Parsha. Again, so much of uh, these Parshios can be related to Hanukkah, as we will do in two or three of the thoughts tonight, um, relate Parshas Miketz and Shabbos Hanukkah Haba Aleinu Latova. So we have, of course, the beginning of the of the parsha, which discusses the dreams, the next set of dreams. We've had a lot of dreams over the past couple of weeks. We had the dream of Yaakov Avinu back in Parshas Vayetze. We had the dreams of Yosef in last week's parsha, and we have the dreams of Paro at the beginning. And we had the dreams of the uh, the Saramashkim, the Saraofim, the end of last week's parsha, and the beginning of this week's parsha. We of course have Paro's dreams. And if we analyze, there is one detail that is not mentioned in the dream itself but is mentioned in the repeat of the dream. If we look at Pyro's dreams, what does he dream about? He dreams about cows and he dreams about Shibalim about wheat. Says the, let's focus on the cow dream. Says the Torah. And from the Yaor, from the Nile, there were seven fat, beautiful, healthy, robust looking cows. And they were pasturing. Another seven cows come up after them. Very lean and skinny looking. And they stood next to each other. The, as they're called, the inferior uh, lean cows ate the fat, healthy, robust-looking cows. That was it. What does that mean? But if we look now in the repeat, when Paro tells over the dream to Yosef, there is an added dimension, which we sometimes think actually occurred in the dream. But if we look closely, the Sfasemis points out to us, it does not say that in the dream. It only says that in the repeat of the dream. So let's look a little bit later. Says the, says Paro, Pasik, Tezvav, Tezayin, Yudzayin. Vaydaber Paro el Yosef b'chalo mihinaniyom made asfaseor. Vinei mina yor olo sheva Paro subrios basar vivios toar. From the yor they're coming up. Vatirana ba'achu. So far repeat. Vinei sheva Paro sacheros alos acherehen. Dalos v'raos toar ma'od v'rakos basar. Lo raisi kohena b'chal eretz mitzrayim laroa. I have never seen such inferior, terrible-looking cows. Okay, that's Paro just giving commentary to his dream. That's not a different description. But then, the skinny, inferior cows ate and swallowed up the fat, healthy cows, and that's where he woke up. But here, there's an extra phrase. They went inside of the skinny cows, and it was not visible that the skinny cows had eaten lunch that day. The skinny, deficient-looking cows looked exactly like they did beforehand. There was no difference in how they looked um, before and after. And I woke up, says says uh, says Paro. So the Shaila is, what is that? What is the significance of that detail that was added by Paro? Paro first says that. You know, the dreams happened, and now he says the dreams happened, and after the fat cows were eaten by the skinny cows, the skinny cows looked exactly the same as they did beforehand. What is the significance? So we might say, I don't know, maybe the Torah just forgot Chas Shalom the first time. But, as we know, every detail of the Torah is meant to teach us something, and the Sfasemis tells us something that, as we started off tonight, can be related to Hanukkah as well. A number of the thoughts that we will see can be related to, to uh, Hanukkah. Says the Sfasemis in Source number one. If you want to look this up, this is in Tafresh Lamid Vav in the Svasemis. What's the message? So we have the Svasemis, and then we have the explanation of the Svasemis by Rabavim Shur in the Halakach Vahalibuf. Says the Svasemis. Like I wrote elsewhere, everything evil in the world, and again, this is a 
deep, deeper Kabbalistic idea that Svasemis is referring to. Everything evil in the world, everything negative in the world has sparks of Kedusha, has nitzotzot that could be uplifted, that could be raised. Even the years of famine, which were, as he calls it, the Sitra Achra, the negative years, they have in it sparks of Kedusha from the satiating years. Rak makirinzos. But the wicked that don't see the good in everything, and then he tells Hakadusha, they just see evil inherently. Let's see what he says, and then we'll try to explain it. The Svasama says, Paro emphasizes these bad years. After the fat years, they were even the cows, right? After that, the, the, the cows were were uh, ate up the the fat cows, the skinny cows were just as skinny and just as bad as just as inferior as they were to begin with. There was no remnant of the fat, robust, nice cows after they were eaten. And Yosef says, Paro, that's incorrect. Aval Yosef Hatzadik Bitelze the Omar Chalom Echadhu Shegambo Yeshbo Nekuda Kedusha Meha Achdus the Gampeter Chalom Sheyachino Chalshana Meatovos the seven healthy cows which represent the seven healthy plentiful years. That is exactly what helps you get ready. And that's included in the later inferior years and inferior cows. It's all a remez to that goes the beginning of the galus. Obviously the, the hunger and then the fat that is going to be the the hunger again. It's all remez to the galus. And therefore, says the Svasemes, Para was trying to reject any remnant of the cows, of the goodness from beforehand. And Yosef says, no, no, no. That's how you prepare and get ready. What does this mean for us? Now let's see the words of Alecha Valibov. As he quotes this idea of the, of the Svasemes. And he even adds, he even adds another element that Yosef seems to emphasize. He quotes this Fasemus on line 12 now. Shepara Ratsa Bazel Liftari Nyanachal Bachalom, Ulahosef Dover Lachazekak Firishal Rahman al Islam. He was just helping and continuing his own beliefs. Sharatzalokiak Sheshnios Hasfashalom. There's good and there's bad, and good is good, and bad is bad. The Inyan Harahu Mitsius Spifne Atzmo, the Ain Hara Yonek Minhatov. Ra is something inherent. God created Yotzer or Uvore Ra. There's a creation called Ra. There's nothing that, that, uh, it's not connected in any way to the Tov. Vein chiyos harame atova gonus besocho. Rakarahu mitzias mefneatza versus laatzmo. And that's what Paro means by saying, lo no da klavki eshbakir botov. And Yosef says, chalom paro echadhu. It's one. As I shall Kim Asahi Gilafaro, Sheva Parastovo, Sheva Shanamema. It's all one message. It's all connected. Falama Hisklavamar Khalopar Echadu. What's the emphasis what's the emphasis of that? He's gonna say it's all one. What does he emphasize Echad? Because Yosef is saying, don't think there are two different messages here that are independent. Yosef Atadik Balishlo Shneo Sheno Emes Mashamar Para Harasha Burish Aso Kilo No Dakimal Kerbena. No, no, no. You think that once the pain, once the tragedy, once the difficulty happens, it had nothing to do with what was beforehand? Who is in charge of everything? If something happens before, it leads to what happens afterwards. The top of the middle column. If there are inferior years, it's connected to the previous years as well. And says now, maybe that message, it seems like a detail, but if we take the Svasemes, maybe that's the message of Hanukkah. The darkest time of year. There's so much darkness. There's so much Choshech. Yaftel the Yefes. It's Yefes. But there's so much darkness when it comes to Torah and all the mitzvahs that we weren't allowed to do. Hanukkah teaches us a little bit of light is found in the darkness. It looks so dark in the dead of winter. But that's the message of Hanukkah. He doesn't quote it, but we've said this before. What do we say on Alanisim? Alanisim, Advruz, Alchuzam, Even on the wars. Because in the darkness, we recognize it's all Yad Hashem. Gamala Golos, Ulahabin Shagolosu Gula Be'emes, Eno Dover Nifrad. 
So much to say about that, but that's the message of Hanukkah. In the darkness is the goodness. Step one. But then he even adds another idea. And that is, let's take the mashal a little bit further. The years, the skinny years, that years, the cows, taken in terms of years, the, the satiating, oh, plentiful years were a hachana for the future years of difficulty. That's exactly what Hanukkah has to be. That's exactly what every holiday on the Jewish calendar has to be. It has to represent light and infuse us with, with chizuk and, and the ability to then take the spiritual sparks in order to get to the next Yontif, to the next Yontif, and to the days of weekday until we get Hanukkah's in the middle. We don't have anything from the time of, of Sukkot. And then we have, what do we have? We have Hanukkah, and then we have Tubishvat. Okay, but then we have to wait till Purim. That's a long time. So Hanukkah gives us a little prepare now, take this light with us into the future. Line 11. All the negative forces do all that they can. Even if we have an uplifting experience, the Kochos Hara, the Yitzhar tries to stop it. Don't take it with you. Don't let it affect your life. You had a great Rosh Hashanah? Okay, let's try to forget about it as soon as we can. Yom Kippur, Sukkis, let's leave that. And that's what Paro also tried to emphasize. These evil years, these hungry years, have nothing to do with the previous years. Don't try to take the satiation into, like the fat cows, into these skinny cows. And, and Yosef says to him, no, 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 lahefech, line 20, ki kal kavanas hachalomu lahefech mizeh, rak adaraba, laharoshet srichim lahachin miyamma tovim al yamma roim. You have to prepare. Because your pastor alone, ubinyin achonim yasova al yamei harav. You prepare in the Yimei Ashsova for the Yimei Harav, and it's the same thing in the in the future. Then he even quotes the Kajit Samagi that says this, explaining a Pasuk in Kohelas. The Pasuk in Kohelas, Perek Zion, Pasuk Yudalid, says, Biyom Tova, Heyei Betov. On the good day, Heyei Betov. Hard Pasuk to translate. What does that mean, Heyei Betov? I'm on line 26. Ubiyom Ra'a, Ra'a. And on the evil day you will see, so the way he explains it, Biyom Tov on the good day, on the days of Yantif, on the days of highlights, on the days of inspiration, Hayei. Hayei is from the word Hishavus. You know, take the existence, make it part of you. And if we do that on the days of Tov, on the days that we're uplifted, Ubiyom Ra'a Ra, we'll still be able to see. We'll be able to see the MS then. Because, you know, life's about ups and downs. We're not always feeling it. We're not always in the zone of spirituality. We're not always focused. There'll be ups and downs. But the goal of our life, says the Kajas Amagad, and explains, based on these days of, of Hanukkah, is to take the light with us into the into the future. And he skigs, skigs, continues to explain, maybe this is to get out of the Hergel, regal menashuk, to, to the Hanukkah lights, is to remove the Hergelus, the ha- habitual nature of our lives. But either way, that is that is what the Svasemis learns from one little detail in our Parsha, Paro, adding that, and we learn a lot from that about our lives. We have to take the light into our lives. We have to realize that in every darkness, there is a light. And that's what we have to realize. Okay, moving right along. We're talking about Yosef Atzatik and all these parshios, Vayeshev, Miketz, Vayigash. There is a Gemara in Brachas. Gemara Brachas tells us on the next page in source number three. Gemara Brachas tells the Gemara Brachas, those learning Dafyomi, you also had it this week in Dafyomi and Mesechas Bo The Gemara Brachas tells us that the Ayin Hara, the evil eye, has no power on Shevet Yosef. No power on Shevet Yosef. That's the Gemara. Two different sources. Amalaho Ana Mizara de Yosef Ka'asina. Right? So, I am from the Shevet of Yosef. This is Rabbi Yochanan talking, I think. Right? That the, uh, there's no Ayin Hara. Ben Parat Yosef, Ben Parat Ali Ayin, a puzzle we're going to read in a couple of weeks, in Vayachi, Amr Abiyavah, Tikre, Ali Ayin, Ela Ole Ayin. What does it mean? Ali Ayin, it means Ole Ayin, those who are above the eye, those who are above the, 
the uh, the ayin harai. Okay, one shot. Rabbi Yosef Chanina Amar Mehacha, different shot. The Yidgula Rov Bekerif Haaretz Yosef and Ephraim and Menashe have the bracha of being like fish. The Yidgula Rov you shall multiply like fish Bekerif Haaretz Madagim Shebayam just like fish. Mayim Chasin Aleihem the Ain Ayin Harasho Letus Bahem water covers them. There's no Ayin Hara fish. Just there are the, the schools of fish are are the millions and millions of fish. There's tons. Nobody has more like like the school bigger schools. Avzarosho Yosef, so to Yosef and Hayin Harasho let us bohem. Okay, says the Gemara. Yosef at Tzadik is not subject to Ayin Hara. Whatever Ayin Hara is, some type of of evil power that has uh that has force that has some type of force. Okay, we're not going to get into exactly what it is now, but what we will get into is why not? So we quote Pshatim. Of sources that the Ayin Hara does not go on Yosef. But what's the reason? Why is Yosef above? Why is the evil eye not controlling Yosef? So the Gemara at the last line that we didn't read yet has one idea, but we have to see what that means. Ayin Shlorutzda Lazun the eye that didn't want to get anything from what wasn't his. Last week's Parsha, Aishas Potifar, Ain Ayin so Ayn Hara, he's, he controlled his eye, so therefore the eye does not have control over him. Okay, but maybe something deeper. And before even that, let's ask a question for a moment. It's fascinating. Again, a Hara that's not picked up on by many. If we look in the Parsha, again, those same Sukkim that we were reading before. Paro brings Yosef up from the pit. Very quickly, the Saramashkim says, I'm sorry, I forgot his Chatayon, I can't believe it. There's a great, I, was, I forgot my promise. He didn't realize it was Ashkacha, two years, Yosef was forgotten. And he tells Paro, there's a great dream interpreter. Paro quickly gets him out of the bar. He changes his clothing. I had a dream, I need an interpretation. Vani shamati alechaleimar. I heard about you, Tishma Chalom Liftaro. So I heard you're a great dream interpreter. Yo- Yosef says it's not me, it's God. And next pasuk, vayidaber paro Yosef. Wait a minute. Pasuk tesvav, vayomer paro Yosef. Yosef then says it's God, it's not me. Next pasuk, vayidaber paro Yosef. We know from elsewhere that there's a big difference between vayomer and vayidaber. Rashi says that in more than one place, Allah Torah, Vayadaber is Lashon Kasha. Right? Kotomar lebeis Yaakov esagei lebenei Yisrael. Right? The women you have to speak softly to. Tomar, Amir is a Lashon Racha. But Haggadah, or Dibur, that's a Lashon Kasha. It's more, it's more, it's harsher language. So what happened here? Why did Paro start off softly and then went to Vayadaber? Says by Bernstein in a Sefer on Haggadah, which we've quoted a number of times over the past few months. The individual, source number four, who represent immunity from the evil eye is Yosef, as we just saw in the Gemara. How was he able to achieve this? What was his midah? A quality which stands out about Yosef, out of many, is his determination to do the right thing and to say the right thing, or, let's say, what he thinks, regardless of the reaction it will provoke from those around him. He says and does what he thinks is right, even if it might endanger him. Initially, this gets him into trouble, as he sits on telling his brothers the dreams. Remember, according to many Rishon, and we'll get back to this maybe a little bit later, he interpreted the dreams as prophecy, as nevuah. So he felt that he had to tell the brothers. It wasn't the best idea at the time. Maybe it was a little immaturity of a 17-year-old who thought that he was in control and central figure. But the Mida inside was what was driving it. Later on, his resistance to Botifar's wife. Is it a classic example of this, in this, of this trait? She's the only person present. She's the only one there. Everybody else is gone, as the Gemara tells us. The only one he could ingratiate himself with, and as the lady of the house, she wields great authority. This alone should have influenced Yosef to seek the curry favor with her, get on her good side. Yet for every day over the course of a year, he makes himself more and more unpopular. How can I do this? I can't, I can't, I can't. Once Yosef has decided something, he doesn't care what everybody else is, what, what's going to happen to him. He doesn't focus on the consequences. Sometimes we have to focus on the consequences. As we know, all midos have to be balanced, but there are certain personalities in Tanakh that highlight certain extreme midos, and then as a nation, these were the avos of our ummah, 
And we have to balance it. So we know, Amud HaChesed, Avraham, Amud HaGvur, Amud HaTorah. Right? All of the Midos uh, are highlighted by different individuals. But we have to take a little bit of all. So there is a concept, as we know, Ezo Chacham Aroes HaNolad. You have to see consequences to one's actions. That's true. But there's also an idea, if we think about that too much, then we'll just be paralyzed. We won't be able to do anything. What, what about what they think? What about what they think? Right, that might have, might have been what Shalom Melech's problem was, as we've dis- discussed in the past from the Sefer Yikarim, worrying about what the Am is going to think. Yosef didn't think too much about what everybody else was going to think. Again, the beginning of his life, he got into trouble, but here, this is what he had to do. Doesn't matter what Ashish Bifar thinks. Twelve years later, when he's taken out of jail to see if he can interpret Paro's dreams, we see this trait express itself in a rather extreme form. Paro greets him. He just got out of jail. This is the person who just threw him back into jail. The person who could kill him. And Paro said, I have heard you are a great dream interpreter. This itself is quite remarkable. 21. Paro is bestowing a compliment on an insignificant slave who has spent the last dozen years rotting in jail. Paro just told him, what a great guy he is. I heard you're an amazing, you have an amazing talent. So what should Yosef have said? Thank you, your majesty. Thank you. I mean, he's, he just he could just throw him back into jail. But what's the next pasuk? I'm sorry, Paro, but you're wrong. I'm sorry I need to do this to you. Probably not too many people in the world tell you that you're wrong, but you're wrong about me. right? Uh, it's not me, it's God. You're right, he's talking about himself, but he's still telling Paro that he's wrong. And you don't do that, right, to the king. You don't do that to your majesty. Yosef rebuffs Paro's compliment and corrects his mistake. And look what he writes. The more we appreciate the precariousness of Yosef's situation, the more we realize he's practically committing suicide with his corrective remark. No one speaks to Paro that way. What will Paro think of him now? And what happens? In the footnote, that's the switch from Vayomer Paro. Paro starts off with a nice, you know, can you help me out here? Right? Omar always has a warm and easygoing connotation. And this represents Paro's initial attempt to be friendly. But then Paro switches in the very next Pasik, Vayadaber. You better give me an answer. The term Dibur typically has a harsh connotation. What we are witnessing is the shift between these two terms is a drop in room temperature of about 20 degrees. Right? All of a sudden the mood has changed from a Vayomer to Vayadaber. Yosef, but Yosef doesn't care. Yosef didn't care about Asia Potiphar. Yosef doesn't care about Paro. He says he does going to do what's right because this is what he does. He sees what he needs to see. He zeroes in on what's correct and he does it. And that's why the Ayin Hara doesn't affect him. Because his eye for truthfulness and doing what he needs to do is what he is um, what he excels at. Last paragraph. Now we understand why Yosef represents immunity from the evil eye. His sense of whether or not he's doing the right thing does not come from his surroundings. Is generated by an internal sense of right and wrong. He looks inside. So somebody else's evil eye is not going to affect me because I never care about what they say. I do what's right because I know what's right. He's fully prepared to act in contrast to his environment if he feels it's the right thing to do. Hence, the negative vision of those around him does not lead one to negative self-vision. Again, a little nuance in the text. Before we noted, it was Paro's edition. This is the difference between a Vayomer and a Vayadaber. It gives us a whole insight into what, pa- what Yosef did, the risk that he took, and uh, what we can learn from Yosef. Sometimes we just got to do it. Right, Rav Cook, we've quoted in the past, Rav Cook once quoted that one of the, one of the uh, cities or countries, Medina, that they had to conquer on the way into Eretz Yisrael was Cheshbon. So if Cook writes in one of his Svarim, you have to, sometimes you have to conquer Cheshbonos in order to make, his context is to make Aliyah. To move to Eretz Yisrael, you, have, you can't have every tiny single thing worked out. It applies to moving to Eretz Yisrael, it applies to every mitzvah. It applies sometimes you can't think enough because you're never going to do it. You just got to do it and obviously have things thought out. But it's something that um, Yosef HaTzadik teaches us. Okay, moving right along. So we have the continuation of the Parsha, Yosef. Again, we've spoken about this. Also, he gives advice to Paro. Paro, you really need somebody to be in charge. Paro never asked for Yosef's advice. He just said, interpret the dreams for me. Yere Paro. Okay, we discussed that in the past. And 
Paro is very excited about it, and all his avadim, there's nobody as great as you, and all of a sudden, Yosef is moving up in the world, he is Merkevas HaMishnah, he has a new name, he's second in command, he is 30 years old, and he is already up, right? 17 years old when he was sold, he became went into jail for 12 years, he came out, and he is in charge. And now, finally, we have in Pasig Memtes, Pasig Nun, Uli Yosef Banim, a very surprising, not for now, but a surprising Pasig Yosef has two sons. Beterem Tavosh Nasarav, Asher Yodolo Asnas, Bas Potifera, Kohenon. The daughter of Bas Potifera. Who is Bas Potifera? So many say it's the daughter of Phasius Potifar and Potifar. After all that, he marries their daughter. That's pretty amazing. Okay, not for now. Vayikra Yosef Hashem HaBachar Menashe. Yosef calls his eldest child Menashe. Kinashani Elokim Eskol Amali Ve'eskobesavi. Hashem has helped me forget all my travails and my father's house. Ve'eshem Hasheni Kara Ephraim. Second name Ephraim. Ki Hifrani Elokim Be'eretz Anyi. Because he has helped me multiply and be fruitful Be'eretz <coughs> On ye in this difficult, this difficult time period. Rav Zevin points out that these two names of Yosef and Gallus is not just about one individual and two children. Even though we know there's so much significance to this one individual and these two children, Ephraim and Manasseh, who we bless our children every Friday night, they should be like these two children, Yosef and Ephraim and Manasseh, the first two children, the first two siblings in history who didn't fight with each other, right? A very special connection that they two, the two of them had. But Reb Zevin in Latar Moadim says, really these two are again representing Midos of every Jew, what we need to have. Says Reb Zevin, source number six. Yosef, and as Rav Zevin always does, creative thought, once in a while quoting a medrash, but here is a thought, but he relates it again to Hanukkah. Second thought of Mikates, that now is relating to Hanukkah as well. Yosef, lolo lameda atzmo yatsa. Yosef is not just teaching something about himself by naming his children after these events. Right? Maisa avosimala banim. First of all, call Yisrael nikra malshem Yosef. We know that we are all called b'nei Yisrael. Excuse me, B'nai Yisrael, after Yaakov Avinu, we are called Yehudim, after Shevet Yehuda, but we were also called, after Yosef. There are a number of Pesachim and Tanakh that were called after Yosef. Right? Rachel Rachel is the Ikaris Abayas. Rachel Mivaka Al-Baneha. Which Banah is she crying about? She's crying about Leah's children. Not only her children, why? Because we're all B'nai Rachel. V'lo Lishma Bilvad, Ela al Shem. Right, that's about all of Klal Yisrael. So we are all B'nai Yosef. So we are all Menashe and Ephraim. Menashe Ephraim, They are the two kochos, two of the kochos that we all have. And what are they? Two well-known kochos. Menashe, Sur Meira. Menashe. He has helped me forget my pain, root out my pain, my difficulties. Kinashani Elohim has kalamali. Ve'efrayim lahafrosu laharbos asetov. Efrani Elohim menashe b'shlila ve'efrayim b'chiyev. The menashe is the negative, removing the negative. And Ephraim is gaining the positive. Uben medrashamer shekol yisrael nikra al-shem Ephraim. Havein yakuli Ephraim. B'lo'am al-shem menashe. We're never all called menashe. We're called Ephraim because that's the one, that's the Iker. The Iker is not just the Sur Meirah, but it's the Asei Tov. The Iker is the Chiyuv. The Or Shel Torah Doch HaMeila Tzachoshech Ra. If we focus on the Asei Tov, that will Memeila, get rid of the Ra and the difficulties. And you know what says Rav Zevin? Maybe these two Midos are exactly the Midos that Beishamai and Beishil argue about. Right, Beishamai and Beishil, as we know, had different Midos in general, but... Hanukkah time, we talk about the machlokas between them. Uh, in Shabbos, Tavchafal, where the Gemara tells us, Beishamay Omer, Mikos on line 11, Belayla Rishon, Malik Shmona, the first night we light eight candles. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. The last night of Hanukkah, Beishamay says, one candle. Beishil Omer, no, Belayla Rishon, Malik Echon, Mikan Velech, Mosav, Aholech. You keep adding on, why? What's the root? Says Rav Zevin, fire does two things. Fire burns, and fire lights. Fire also heats, but he's focusing on two. Shnei kochos ba'ech. Soref 
u'meir. It burns, it removes, it destroys, and it gives light, and it warms, and it shines. Shneim zukukim, they're both needed. Sreifas v'kilyon arab nevesh adam, we have to root out our yetzahara, our negative tendencies. Uvi arta harami kerbecha, we have to root out what's negative. And, of course, we have to focus on the positive. Hachdara's ner mitzvah v'torah or, l'tokol chadri chadar v'shal adam. We have to put the ner of Torah throughout. And in the days of Matiz Yob and Yochanan Kohen Gadol Chashmonai Yovanov, Hishtamshu B'Shnei Kochos. They needed both. They had to root out, they had to burn out the Yavanim mentality. They had to burn out the Hellenistic nature that some Jews became Hellenized. Be'eru was Tumas HaYavanim. U'becherem no kemes lekambriz kilu osam. Get rid of it. But afterwards, Ti'eru was Mikdashecha. Ve'eliku neiru was Mechaz Mekdashecha. And they had to light up with the light of the menorah and the light of Torah and the light of, of mitzvos. That's both happened on Hanukkah. They had to root out the, the negative forces and put into the positive forces. What was the ikr of what they did, of what we remember? Machlokas Beishamai and Beishelel. Beishamai says, eight to one, because the ikr to root out the negative. Beishamai, as we know, is din. Beishamai, wa, Beishamai is machmir, most often. Line 22. And then, Pochis Vaholech. But when it comes to Beisillah, Beisillah says no. Beisillah says no. Mosef Vaholech. When you burn something, says the Beisillah. Ha'ikr, line 26, who are Vachoshech Memela Yigurash. And the Choshech Memela will be removed. Vaha'ar Mosef Vaholech. So Ephraim and Menashe. They're both Midos of all Kla Yisrael, because we are all B'nai Ephraim and B'nai Yosef. But the Ikr, at this time of year and throughout, are the uh, elements of Ephraim over Menashe. That might even relate to the right hand. We could talk about it, the switching of the hand, see Kelis Yadav, with the right and the left. Ephraim gets the right hand. Kihua, right? Menashe is the Bechar. But that has to be the Ikr in our lives, like, like Basil. Okay, we continue. So Yosef has his children, and now, right after that, the years of plenty are over. The years of plenty are over. Their uncle says, They're finished. And then, very similar word, only different by one letter, It was finished, and started. It was huchal. All the lands had famine. And in Eretz Mitzrayim, there was bread. So they all had famine except for Mitzrayim. Question is, There's something there, says Rabbi Yonas and Ibishitz, that we have to appreciate that was very supernatural. That the Pasuk is trying to emphasize to us implicitly. And the years of satiation went, and immediately the years of famine started. What usually happens post a satiation time period when there's a drought, let's say? If there's a drought in a country, the first year usually isn't so bad. Because you have from the previous years. The problem is when you think about what's going to be the following year. When there's a famine, you usually have leftover from previous, but in the future, it's going to get bad. You could force it. It's usually not bad that second. Boom, okay, famine, but there's plenty left over. Says of Yonas and Ibishit, that's not what happened here. Source number seven. Teferis Yonasan, one of his many svarim. Venera Lefarish. Let me explain this psukim. From Vatichlana to immediately Vatichilana. Venera Lefarish. Naturally, if you'd have a famine in the eighth year, so then the tvua would already be. If you have nothing to eat in the eighth year, it must be that there was an there was an inferiority in the tvua of the seventh year. You already have from the previous. But it wasn't like that. The seventh year was totally full, amazing year. And the eighth year, they had nothing. What do you mean they had nothing? What happened to the stuff of the seventh year? 
So Rashi quotes that it rotted. Okay. Why didn't anybody... The Pasha's a Psukim. It doesn't say that it rotted. Because people saw the plenty. They're like, it's not happening. Next year there's not going to be any food. We have plenty. Usually there's a gradual deterioration of the produce. It's never a precipice. There's never like a cliff of, it's good, 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 boom, nothing. That doesn't happen. And that's why they didn't trust. And nothing. It was gone. And right at one Pasuk, the years of plenty finished, very next Pasuk, there was nothing gradual here. It was full to the very end. And even so, line 16, and that's what happened. And why did they, why did this nace happen? Because they wanted to show that Yosef was telling the truth. Right? And that was exactly what happened. Seven years completely, fully, with plenty. And then the seven years, which happened not to be seven years, right? It happened to be uh, till ya- Yaakov Avinu came down, but that was the uh, what was meant by the uh, by the juxtaposition of Vatechlena to Vatechilen. Okay, moving right along, a couple of more thoughts on the parsha, and then we hopefully will end with something um, on Hanukkah itself. So what does the Pazik say? Vatirav Kolaris Misrayan. They were starving. Pazik Nunhe. Vayitzakaam el Paralalachem. They start screaming to bar for bread. Vayomar Paralachom Mitzrayan. Luchol Yosef. Go to Yosef. What do you want from me? Asher Yomar Lachem. Tasu. Whatever he tells you to do, do. What do you want from me? It's not up to me. That's what Yosef, Yosef, uh, that's what Paral tells them. Rashi. Asher Yomar Lachem Tasu. Do whatever he says. What what is he referring to? Lefisha haya Yosef omor lahem sheyamulu. Yosef said to them. Rashi tells us they all have to get circumcised. They come to Paro and they say, Paro, he wants us to get circumcised. Pretty amazing. In the whole city of Shechem, nobody said boo. Yeah, fine, let's do it. Right here, all of a sudden, omor lahem lomalos of our So Paro says to them. Why didn't you gather? Gather. He said that the years are coming. They said, we did. It rotted. He says, it rotted. You better listen to him. He must have told God. He must have said, make their bread rot. What if he says we should die? So that's what Paro is alluding to. Whatever he says to do, do. You have to do. And the question of all the Achronim, I didn't see this so much in the Rishonim, could be, but the Achronim that I saw talk about it is, why do you want them to get Brismila? What, what's, you know, you could say by Shechem it was used as a ruse, used as a, to make them weaker. But why would Yosef wanted to get the, have them have Brismila? That's, it's not one of the Shem Mitzvahs Bnei Noach. Right, so what is it? It wasn't the, obviously the Torah wasn't even given yet, but what was it about Brismila that... Yosef thought that if you do this, then you'll be able to have food. So this is discussed by a number of the Achronim. We'll read it from the Gur Aryeh. The Klayakar has a similar idea in the uh, in his commentary. It says the Maharal. The, remember, the Klayakar lived right after the Maharal in Prague, both great leaders in the uh, in the Prague community, both buried right near each other in uh, in Prague. It says the Gur Aryeh in source number 8. Fakashali. Lamar Yamulu. Why Mila? Follow Ein Machrichim as a goy lehiskayer. You never for what is this a conversion? Yosef's trying to convert them. We don't go out to try to get conversions. Right? What, what is what's going on here? And the in the footnote, Rabbi Hartman says, "What we don't we don't do that. We are the only religion in the history of the world that doesn't go out to try to missionize, and we do just the opposite." Just the opposite, right? They have, everybody has. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs points out in one of his books, right? Judaism is the only religion that believes in a place for Jews and a place for non-Jews. Most other religions believe that there's a purpose for their religion 
and everybody else, what's their purpose? Maybe eventually to come to our religion. But Judaism believes in, there's a place for the Jew and there's a place for the non-Jew. There are mitzvahs for both of them. So we don't go out and try to missionize. So what was Yosef doing here? Why was he giving them circumcision? The Yesh Ledavar Inyan Nifla. Says the Gorarye, there's something wondrous here. Kikasha Ra Yosef, Kiatfua Shalahem Hir Kiva, Utwas Yosef Loher Kiva. Yosef didn't tell God, make their bread rot. He just looked. He saw, he knew what happened. He told them, he saw they all gathered. There were some people that believed him, and yet they all rotted, and his didn't rot. What's the difference between me and them, Yosef thinks? Remember, there was no such thing as, there was Jews, but it was a family. Yosef, what he had, he, he wasn't a nation yet. So he had certain beliefs. So what, what was the difference? Why did their food rot? Azyada Yosef, Yosef assumed, He was doing it to help them out. He assumed that it was because of they were Arelam. Why? Kiamila Hebris. Mila is obviously the covenant between God and man. Abris. Vitargum bris. Kayama. What's the uncleus on translating bris? A covenant. Kayama. Which means eternal connection. Something that stands. Something that lasts. Lasting. If you don't have the lasting representation of Mila, Nirkavatua. You don't have the lasting connection to God, so your tua is not going to have a lasting existence. So Yosef really suggested this, that not because of a gayrus, no. But it seems like God doesn't like you. God wasn't, doesn't want to be connected to you. So you know what? Let's try this. What's the difference between me and you? Okay, yes, our beliefs. But also that bris is something that is eternal. Everything that man is created with, is meant to be with him forever. Again, teeth and hair and other things, but it's the idea of teeth, except for one portion of the body, right? Chutzman Ha'arla. The Torah says, I'm creating you with this, and you need to remove it. There is no, why? Because it doesn't have kiyam. It's not meant to be a lasting part of the body. And that's why the Tua Yosef suggests, isn't lasting. And that's why he's not being mean, he's trying to help them. That's what he assumes. And this is also, by the way, the Maral adds in, why Yosef, you know, with Zoha, the, the mitzvah of Brismila and his control of himself in that area, but this is the Gur Aryeh's suggestion. Again, there's something specific. Connecting between Mila and Tvua and the loss of Tua. The Klayakar as well, we're not going to read it, but he also says Arla is called Cherpa and Hunger is called Cherpa. Feel free to read it um, uh, afterwards, but you have it there in source in source number 10. Okay, so now we get to the brothers. The brothers come down to Mitzrayim, Perak Membez, Yosef uh, meets them, he acts... Uh, like a stranger to them. We discussed that many times in the past, all the different shatim. Why didn't he reveal himself right away? But let's get to the conversation now. That's what we're trying to do in this year's shir. Focus on some of the conversations and trying to um, understand a little more but more about the Pshuta Shomikra. So what happens? Yosef accuses them of being spies. Yosef says we're spies. Kulanu love lo adoni. What does he first say? We come to him food. He said, Meraglim at them, you're Meraglim. And what do the brothers say? We're all brothers of one father. We're telling the truth. No, you are spies. And they say again, Again, they emphasize, we're one father, one father, we're brothers. One's at home, one's lost. And Yosef says, that's exactly what I'm saying. You are spies. That's exactly what I'm telling you, that you're spies. What, what just happened? What did they just add that made Yosef say, uh-huh, you see? Yosef called them spies. They say, no, 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 we're all brothers. We all have one father. Aha, Yosef says. That's exactly what I'm... What was Yosef trying to say? What did the brothers pick up on? So Rashi quotes the Medrash. Rashi says, well, why 
They, the Yosef said to him, well, why did you go into 12 different ga- uh, 10 different gates if you're all brothers? Well, we wanted to find our, our long-lost brother. And if you find him and they want, you, they want you to give a lot of money, what would you do? Well, we pay a lot of money. And what if they refuse? Then we'd kill them. Aha! So you did come to spy out the land. Okay, that's the uh, drash that the, the, the medrash that the Rashi quotes. But if you look in the Tosefes Bracha, the Torah Tamima, in source number 11... He quotes a little different shot, a little different shot, based on the understanding of what a spy is. Eino mavur line first beginning. Marolakayim betokef pitachon pakarasoo salamaraglim alipize. What what strengthened his claim? Alipize shesipru mitoldosam ki haachim kula bnei avechad. What does that mean? This is it. Who is your dibarti? This is exactly what I'm telling you. Fiyef Shalomar says that Tosef is brach. It's possible. Mishum de'inyan regal hulagabe meraglim davar misukan ma'od. Spying is extremely dangerous, as we know. Di'efshar, not only from external problems, but from internal. De'efshar she'yivgod echad me'achabura v'yegala inyanam. Maybe there's going to be a traitor within the spies to find favor He's going to get cold feet. He's going to try to give him up. That is why, spot, you have to go in with a tremendous amount of trust and connection and being together with each other. And the closer the spies are to each other, in terms of identification, the safer they feel. If they're brothers, nobody's going to give up each other. What do they say? We're all brothers of one father! What does Yosef say? Aha! That's even worse! Exactly what I'm telling you! So now you don't even have any risk factor! That's why you went through, because I know, I know you guys are tricking me! And that's why, right when they say that, a line 11, Atahu yoter batuach, pekiros amlamaraglim, kealachabura kazu, yos yosalasatzik bariko. Right, of course, brothers! And he quotes a number of times when spies are referred to in the beginning of Sefer Yehoshua, Right, that when they're referred to in the singular, because spies have to really work together in order not to be, not to be, be uh, found out. But what were the brothers saying? The brothers knew that also! The brothers didn't only say, explains the Torah to Mima, that we're brothers, but we're children, the sons of one father. Do you think our father would have sent us out here all together to be spies? What father in there in his right mind would want to lose all of his kids at once? So yes, maybe the brother part of it works against us, but the father part of it works for us. And this was the hidden conversation going on here. And Yosef says, exactly my point. And the brother says, no! Focus on the father part of it and not on the brother part of it. And either way, Yosef acts like a stranger. He says again to them, and he swears in the name of Paro, as we know. And um, he takes Shimon. And they go back, and Yosef plants the goblet, obviously, and gives their money back. They come back and forth and back and forth. And let's go to the end. The end of the parsha, where they come all the way back a second time. Yehuda, Reuven, and Ochi Ervenu. There's so much here. But uh, towards the end of the parsha, Yosef puts his coast inside, and in that way gets them back. Question. Why the coast? Out of all the items that Yosef could have put to trip, trip him up, he could have put any any item that he had. Why Dafka his coast that he drinks wine in? And not only that, it's emphasized, right? If it says the, the when it says the pasuke, haloze asher yishta adonibo right? This is what Yosef tells him to say, and then when it actually happens. He says it, right, Pasuk Tezvav, Vayomer lahem Yosef, Yosef says to them, all the way at that maftir, Mamai says Asher Azizim, what'd you do? Halo yadatem! He has to give this whole discussion. Yadachish, yadachish, ishakamoni. You know I, 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 I'm a fortune teller. Nachish, yadachish, ishakamoni. What's the double Lashon? I'm nachish, yadachish. Number one, why the goblet? Number two, what's the double of Lashon of nachish, yadachish? Number three, if you look back in the, when he, when he tells the, his servant, to what to say to them, tell them, it's my cup that I drink out of. Halo Zesher Yishta Donibo. 
Don't they know that? That's what you usually use a cup for. You know, what's the emphasis of, do you know that my master uses that cup to drink wine from? Well, what else would you use the cup for? So what's the emphasis of these extra lines here? Says the bear Yosef or Yosef Misalat. Line 12. He says the Ramban talks about that a little bit, but Yosef is being Miramis to the brothers something. Actually, two things. The Tachenod, source 12 on the top left. Shekavanas Yosef. The Kavan of Yosef. Says the Bear Yosef. Something so beautiful. And it's something that we could take with us outside of this Bear Yosef. He saw the brothers were already faulting themselves. Right? We overheard. He already cried once earlier in the Paisha. And they say it's based on Mechiris Yosef. Line 6. He is trying to awaken in them feelings of tshuva. Why is he let to do that? Discussed by the Ramban and others, the Abarbanel. Yosef is focusing on the pain, not just me. Okay, forget about me, but dad. Focus on our father. What you cause, what you didn't think about, what would happen to Yaakov Avinu. Two points. Whether you liked it or not, Yosef is hinting to them. Yaakov learned Torah with me. I was his chavrusa. I was his star student, right? Ben Zakunim. What does the uncle say? He had the, the special Torah, all the Torah that he learned at Shem Avery He taught him. Kamosh Amar Ben Zakunim Ulo. Says the Bar Yosef, Torah Torah is compared to wine, as we know. And A. B. The Gemara says in Tinus and Machis, line 15, I learned a lot from my Rebbeim, even more so from my friends, and most from my students. Put those two Chazals together. Torah is compared to wine, and I learned the most from my students. Think about what happens, says the Bar Yosef, in a normal Let's think about wine first, which is the mashal and then the nimshal. What happens by wine? I have wine, gr- juice. I have grape juice. I pour water in in the right ratio. I pour into the cup to dilute it properly, as in the days of old, when you had to make it proper. And after I pour in, then I drink it back up to me. That's what happens with wine. I pour out and then I pour in. And ultimately, that's for my benefit. I want the wine. What does a Rebbe do? A Rebbe puts all his kochos into his student. He pours into his student information and love and, and everything. What's the greatest nachas that a Rebbe has? When the Talmud gives back to him, when he asks a kasha to stump the Rebbe. Just like the wine, when he pours it in. Line 17. Nimsasha Talmud amach kimes rabo, hu bedimyon akosha shosemimenu. First you pour the wine in, and then you drink it. First he learns Torah with the Talmud, and then he drinks from the Talmud, so to speak. That's why he puts the Gavia. This is the coast that he drank from. Even if they don't understand what I'm saying now, when it clicks on Yosef Haudavichai next week's parasha, all this is going to click. Oh, this is, we put Yaakov in so much pain because all the Torah and the Lima that he gave Yosef, who was his star student, he couldn't get back. That's the Gavia. Number one pain. Number two, we know Rosh quotes that Yosef, that Yaakov was also in pain because of the prophecy that he had seen, right? He had a Misorah, that if all ten sons of his lived longer than him, so then he would, all, I mean twelve, but uh, all twelve sons, Shifteka, was ten at the time, but then the other two, if all of them lived, then he would be perfect, he wanted to go to Gehenim, and it, this would be the nation, right? That he quotes that uh, later uh, on line 41, right? He had a promise that if one of his twelve sons, if they all lived after, he wouldn't see Gehenim. And now he thought that Yosef died. The Nichush, Nichush is looking into the future. That also caused him pain. That's the double ush of Nachesh Nachesh. You know what he uses this coast for? To drink out of and to like look into the silver coast in order to see the future. That's the remez of the two pains that they caused their father over all of these years. And that's what they didn't think about when they sold Yosef into slavery.
Okay, the Rebbe Talmud relationship is the, compared to the wine relationship that can be used in other contexts in various different uh, settings for uh, you're talking about yeshivas, talking about machanchim. Right, that's a, that's a goal of a, of, a, of a, any yeshiva of any Rebbe is to fill up the student and then have the student pour it back into the Rebbe. Okay, just to end with one other thought of Hanukkah, I just looked in the notes. I don't know if we ever mentioned this. It's a basic Ramban on Hanukkah. And, uh, if we never mention it, we at least have to have it on, uh, have it out there. And, um, it's the Ramban of Pashas Vayechi. I don't know if we mentioned this ever in Pashas Vayechi. I don't think so. But, uh, here we go. The Ramban of Vayechi. This is a very controversial Ramban. Because it somewhat puts a damper onto all of Hanukkah. But we have to realize the message of the Ramban. And note that Rov Rishonim, that don't mention anything about this, uh, must argue with the Ramban. Says the Ramban in Parshas Vayechi. On the Pasik in the Bracha of Yehuda, Lo Yasser Shevem Yehuda, Umechokik Mibain Ragwav. Says the Ramban. This Pasik is not only a Nevua, but it is a command and even a Losase. In Yano, line 4. In the Ramban, in source 13. Shalom Yasser Shevet Yehuda El Echad Me'echav. The Shevet, the ruling party, the Malchus, should never leave Yehuda. Ki Malchus Yisrael HaMosha Aleihem Mimenu Yiyah. Yaakov Avinu is saying, Malchus is from Yehuda. V'lo Yimshol Echad Me'echav Alav. Don't move the Shevet. Not just, it won't happen, but you shouldn't do it. Talking to Klal Yisrael. That's what he's saying. Mashiach and all Malchus based David. All has to be from Yehuda. Aye. What about Shaul? Good question. But says the Ramban, two, two ideas. And this is the other we showed him also deal with. Maybe it's from when it starts. From when David HaMelech comes onto the scene, then it's never allowed to switch. So Shaul was different. One might say, line 16, Me'eshe yachel lios lihuda shevet malchus, lo yosef menu al shevet acher. V'zeo shenemar ki Hashem al ke Yisrael nasan mamlacha al David al Yisrael lo'lam lo ulubanav. What about Shaul? Ki ba'avur she'davar she'elas hamalchus, basi nitav. We discussed this at length in Navishir, back in Sefer Shmuel. Right, Hashem was not happy that B'nai Yisrael is for a king at that time. He gave in for his reasons, but it's not that he wanted to be Mamlech. And that's why Shaul, even different Pshatim, if Shaul wouldn't have sinned, what would have happened to the Malchus? But either way, that wasn't a violation, because let's say that was pre. Similar to like, Halel on Anais, is only on Anais of Eretz Yisrael, but that's only from when they went in. But before they went in, the Gemara says in Megillah, then it was okay. But that's the Pasuk of Lo Yasser Shevet Mi Yehuda. And that's why he writes on line 28, Ulafi the entire Sefer Malachim Beis, and the second half of Malachim Aleph, the Malachim of Malche Yisrael, not that they were great tzaddikim, they were not, but another sin that they were doing besides Avodah and all the others, was violating this Pasuk. They should have given up the Malchus. Yes, originally it was split as a punishment, but if Yeravim would have done properly. But if he died, he lied 28. Hayam Malachim HaMolchim Al Yisrael Mishar Shvatim Acharei David Over Maldas Aviyem Umavirim Nachala V'kasher Line 31 V'kasher Arichu Yisrael Lahamlech Aleim Mishar Shvatim Melech Achar Melech V'lo HaYechozim HaMachos Yehuda Avru Al Tzavaz HaZakin V'ne'en Shubahem This Aveir is also part of what they did Even though you don't get a sense of this in, in Sefer Malachim But this is something that also was included And then he adds his line Line 33 the Chashmonaim, the victorious ones, the amazing ones. The Chashmonaim, who were victorious in Hanukkah, says the Rabban, what should they have done? Won the war, gotten the base of English back, and then stepped aside and given the Malchus to somebody from Shevet Yehuda. They were Kohanim. Right? We don't, the Kohen is not the Melech. The Kohen God, the Arna Kohen was not Moshe. And David Melech was not uh, the Kohen Gadol. He had his own Kohen Gadolim. And says the Ramban, Ki ayu Elyon. They were unbelievably pious. Were not for them, we wouldn't have survived. But still, the, the Hasmonean dynasty, the Gemara tells us, eventually died out. There was nobody left. The Ramban says, because this is not... This is not, this was not meant to be. 
at that time, they should have stepped aside because it was a violation of this. The Rabban doesn't take away anything. There was a miracle and it was an amazing occurrence and we, and we had Malchus and we had the, the Malchus returned to Klai Yisrael, but the wrong people were became the king. This is the Ramban Chita. The Rambam does not give any impression of this. I didn't give it to you, but the Rambam at the end of Sefer Malachim discusses Malchus based David, and it's pretty clear that the Rambam, and even also in, in Hilchas Hanukkah, when the Rambam discusses Hilchas Hanukkah, the Rambam t- tells the story, again, very unusual, only a f- few times in Mishnah Torah, where he tells the story, uh, history, but there, when he talks about Hilchas Hanukkah, all the way at the end of Sefer Zmanim, the Rambam says, after the story, the Malchus returned to Klai Yisrael. The Chazra Malchus Li Yisrael, Yisrael Masayim Shonat Chorban Hasheni. Doesn't sound like anything negative. Pashas, there was nobody else. Either you say, this applies only when there's someone else, when there's somebody from Malchus Bistavit, there was nobody from Malchus Bistavit to take over. The Rambam Avi feels there's nothing. But either way, this is just a question about uh, a halacha, about Liyot HaShem but we know, getting back to the first thought we said, that the light of Hanukkah is supposed to come with us throughout the year. We're supposed to invigorate ourselves now uh, to take, it, take us through the dark nights of the winter uh, to appreciate that the, uh, the Shulchan Aruch says that learning Torah at night is, uh, is special, so we have to, the winter is even more time to learn Torah at night. Either way, we take the messages of Hanukkah and Mikates with us throughout our lives. Okay, we'll stop here.